Hello and welcome to Where Many Have Gone Before, the podcast where I, John D. Ruddy, watch Star Trek for the very first time. You're all very welcome to this week's episode. This episode has been partially supported by my patrons on Patreon. If you would like to support this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash John D. Ruddy. This episode, myself and Mr. Michael Leddy will be talking about the Corbamite Maneuver. I often refer to it as Carbamite Maneuver. I think that's just the the, the, the Star Wars in me. Um, I know it's Carbonite. Um, but uh, yeah, you might hear me say Carbamite as opposed to Corbamite a couple of times in this episode. Uh, and also we will be talking about The Menagerie Part 1. Which, if you have seen before, you will know that I, too, have seen part of this episode before. Spoilers. But yes, I hope you enjoy it, and here you go. Hello, folks. Here we are again. Mr. Michael Letty, say hello. Hello. How have you been doing? I've been doing very well. I've been... uh, I've moved on earlier. I was drinking coffee. Now I'm drinking Ribena. What an exciting... Life I lead, but the Rabin is very nice. What interesting TV have you been watching these days? I've been watching uh, a lot of new shows this week. Uh, Sky have a very funny sci-fi-esque cop show called Code 404, uh-huh. which I've seen three episodes of and which I love. Very, very funny. Daniel Mays, Stephen Graham. I've really enjoyed that a lot. Code 404. I... Yeah, that, very that, funny. That ring, that that name rings a bell. Although I, I, I just feel that that piece of information is missing in my brain. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, do you have you seen the promos for it? Do you know? Do you know what? The no, show is? I know nothing about it. Uh, it's been on for about three weeks. Basically, it's a half-hour comedy series about two detectives, uh, slightly in the future. One of them is shot and killed in the opening scene of the first episode. Spoilers. They use technology to bring him back. We have the technology. We have the technology. So a year later, he returns. And they describe this. It's very funny. They're, they're like, uh, how did you do this? Well, we got an American in. And that's that's the only explanation. And they have an American. So he's now augmented and he's brought back. And it's really, if you've seen Get Smart or you've seen Sledgehammer, yeah. it's basically... It's two cops working uh, largely his case every week. They're trying to figure out who murdered him. One of them, uh, the sidekick, is actually the smart one. And mm-hmm. the augmented one is just not very smart at all. And it's it's very funny. It's really mm. very funny. I really like it. So I've been watching that. And I'm watching Breeders, which is another... Um, it's Martin Freeman's show about parenting. I've heard him talk about this, yeah. Yeah, it's a very good show. I'm down to the last couple episodes now, and I really love that. Really love it. I liked it okay at the start. You know how a show really grows on you? You know, you watch the first episode of a show and you're like, well, I'll watch episode two, but see what happens. Now I'm down to episode nine and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see Uh, episode nine. Can't wait to see what's happening I'm like that with um, Community. Uh, I had never watched Community before. Oh, where are you in it? um, Oh, it's a fantastic show. About halfway through season five. Oh and wow! It's, it's such a great show. So good. I absolutely love it. Um, I just uh, d- uh, did you see during the week? I recreated the fortune teller 
uh, intro. No, no, yeah. no, no. I, I, it's on I, Facebook. I, uh, me, me and uh, me and my wife made a live action version of it. I'm I'm I hand handmade the fortune teller and, and drew on all the illustrations. Okay, and, I'll have to check uh, that out. Didn't see it. Didn't it, see it. It was, but I will tr- check it was it out. trending on Twitter for a while. Nice. It had like about thirty thousand views on it and like two hundred retweets and stuff. It was very exciting. Brilliant. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm loving Community. Um, it's funny actually because I mean I'd heard so much great things about it, and there was a lot of things that I'd kind of known from it. My uh, my friend Niall, he's a massive fan of it, so I kind of picked up elements of it through osmosis. But um, I had heard so many bad things about season four, and because it's the one where yes. you know Dan Harmon wasn't involved yes. with, and. Yes. I, d- I don't know. I think maybe my expectations were so low for it that I actually didn't find it that bad. I mean, yeah, obviously it was a dip, but it wasn't It wasn't a mad dip. I have to agree. I was watching that week after week, brand new, yeah. and very much aware of what was happening behind the scenes. And I have to say, yeah. I enjoyed season four and there's actually some episodes in season four that I love. Yeah. Like, I mean, I suppose, I suppose we were able to blitz it, which probably helped. Like, you know, we weren't waiting week after week, you know, we were able to just fly through it. And so there were a couple of episodes that, you know, didn't work quite well, but, but yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, it wasn't as bad as I was expecting, so that was mm. that was a pleasant surprise. But speaking of watching shows on Netflix, I wonder where you're going with this. So I started rewatching Breaking Bad, and oh my god, I love! It. I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> so which is the episode are we talking about today? We are talking about so far my favorite episode. I'm dying to find out because I'm thinking production order. Episode 11, the Carbamite Maneuver. Ah, the very first, that was actually the first episode. No way. After the, this was, okay, so there was a pilot in 64. Yes. There was a pilot in 65 and then the series was picked up. And when they went into production in 1966, this was the Mm -hmm. first episode. So to me, that's the first episode of Star Trek. Oh, that's interesting. This I loved this episode because it started off super weird, went on a roller coaster, was super cerebral, really, but not in a kind of a philosophical way, but just in a very straightforward way. And it and it had a wonderful ending to it. I I just loved this 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 episode. It was so good. I love this episode. It's one of my absolute favorites for all those reasons. I think it's got a great idea, great story, and the visuals. They're so yeah. the colors, the the just the visuals, everything about this episode I love. I love this episode. And that's all we need to talk about it. So <laughs> the episode after that, no I'm joking. <laughs> what what I loved about this uh episode in particular was I think this is probably one of the first episodes where they're actually out doing what they've said they're doing, which I suppose rings so much more true for uh, because that this was the first episode that they made after the pilot, which is great. So they are they are out literally where no man has gone before. You know, they are out in deep, deep space. And much as I love Star Trek, and I do love Star Trek, that's always been a thing. Even when I was a kid watching it, I would say to myself, but they're not doing the thing that they say they'll do. 
they're just yeah they're they're running errands yeah we're like here we ride <laughs> we're gonna at pick a up colony this, but... on planet yeah. Deneb and you're like well this is not out exploring at all yeah yeah, yeah. So, so 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 that that was one thing that I was like, oh, this this is them doing what they're supposed to be doing. This is interesting, and I, and 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 I was super on board. And so they're out mapping the stars and pushing out into where no man has gone before. And there's an object approaching. Ooh, an object approaching. And as it approaches, we discover it is a Microsoft screensaver. <laughs> this bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> this bizarre, colourful, rotating cube. <laughs> I was like, lads, you need to turn the screensaver off the main visualisation screen. Very yeah. good, very good. And so this cube be- veers back and forth, you know, so, so they try to go around it, but the cube's like, no, I'm still here, babes. It was, it, yeah, it, it was really bizarre. And so everybody's quite you know worried up on the bridge meanwhile sweaty kirk is down getting sweaty with his wall leg machine doing a stress test for uh, for bones and it's so funny the music is trying its absolute hardest to make this big bright colorful cube menacing <laughs> every time it cuts to dun, 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 and it's just like Lads, it's a Cuban space. <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I think that's also what I loved about this was it had such a great level of camp to it, which I thought was worked really well. So Kirk has been called to the bridge. So sweaty Kirk is walking <laughs> right down through the corridor without a shirt, with it lopped over his, his shoulders. And he's like, hey, guys, so I'm all sweaty and stuff. Do you need me up on the bridge? They're like, yeah, we've called you on the bridge. And he's like, I'm all sweaty and stuff. Do you, like, can it wait? And they're like, theoretically, okay, cool. I'm, I'm going to go shower first. So he goes and showers first. So meanwhile, we've got Bailey up on the bridge Bailey being this rookie navigator and he's being super sassy to Spock and it's just like okay who do you think you are Mr. Bailey but as as they're constantly trying to go around the to go around this cube to you know they're they're trying to work it out and I have in my notes here I'd love if the whole episode is them staring at this cube <laughs> I would love it if they're just like, what is yeah, that? No, it's, it's is still that? it's still there, and 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 like you know, and they and they go off and maybe have have lunch in the canteen, and they come back. Is it? No, still that guys. Has anybody any idea what this is? Nope. Lunch again? Yeah, let's go to lunch <laughs> in the back. Nope, nope. The cube's still there, right? Okay, but no, it 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 doesn't it doesn't necessarily go in that direction. Uhura picks up no signals. Scotty just straight up was like, nope, I don't know what this is. No, completely stumped. And Mr. Bailey, of course, wants to open fire because Mr. Bailey is the most main character of this episode. And you're just like, hey, Mr. Bailey, just go, just leave. (laughs) Oh, man. I always love those. Again, he's another scrappy dude. He's he's like Charlie X all over again. He's like, dude, just, just shut up. Nobody, who are you anyway? They're stuck there for 18 hours and Spock thinks it's a, it's either a space boy or flypaper. 
and uh, which is quite an interesting. I, I I love that idea of it being flypaper of you know something coming to come and pick it up and go. Hmm, what's going on here, Mister Bailey? Who do you think you are? He is just talking over everybody, and he is not helping anybody. And he irked me greatly. Really? Okay. So they okay. decide. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they decide to spiral course to get away, you know, to kind of spiral away from the cube. And the cube's like, nope, it's still following. Like, why didn't they just turn around? I don't know. I mean, you know, it's like the cube's right in front of them. Why didn't they just complete, rather than trying to go around it, why just turn the ship and just boom out? I'm sure there was a reason. I'm sure there was a reason. I suppose they kind of wanted to work out what this thing was. Yeah, I think that's probably it. It's it's the ethos of let's explore and find something. And yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's like this is the mission of the ship. If we find something new and then go, oh, this is scary. Let's turn around. So the radiation is increasing, and this cube starts to spin faster and faster and faster. Bailey is absolutely cacking the jocks. He is completely freaking out. Um, the radiance, uh, the radiation is going beyond tolerance level. Kirk is like, fire the phasers, and it all rumbles. But Bailey hesitates. It's like, Bailey! God damn it, Bailey! What are you doing? You know, it's like you had one job. Well, I, I suppose he, he does have several jobs, yeah, but, but still, still, Kirk says fire the phasers. You fire the phasers. You don't go, eh. Oh, God. The, the, there's a lot of emotions in this episode. You love Bailey. You love this guy. Oh, man, <laughs> Bailey. God damn it, Bailey. So the cube is destroyed because they blasted it with the phasers. But now, of course, they wonder, do we continue or do we retreat? You know, it's like, we're, we've come this far. Do we keep going? And so they keep going. Uh, and, you know, um, Kirk reminds them, he's like, well, our mission is to seek out and contact alien life. So it's kind of in the job description. So Spock and Kirk, I, I, I lo- they, they, they have this great little interaction where Spock is like, there's a certain inefficiency of questioning his logic when he's when Kirk has already made up his mind. And Kirk is just like, you know, emotional support. Like it's 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 a great kind of bromance in a lot of ways as well. Oh yeah, a bromantic triangle of the <laughs> three of them. So Bones thinks Kirk trusts Bailey too much because Bailey reminds Kirk of a young Kirk, uh, which kind of makes sense. Um, you know, he does look a little bit like Chris Pine. And after this whole thing, Kirk doesn't seem quite right. As it turns out, it doesn't seem to be relatively inconsequential. But Kirk, you know, he seems, you know, he's he's sweating. He's he's uh, sluggish. He's misremembering. It's like, what's up with Kirk? Turns out it was inconsequential. Janice, though, comes in with a salad and she lays out all of all of his placemat. And she's like, here you go, sir. And Kirk is not happy about the salad, but Bones is like, you need to eat salad, dude, because I give you a stress test and you're going to have a heart attack. He didn't actually say that, but, you know, he thinks he needs to, yeah. Health, man, health. So Kirk is worried about him and Janice. He's worried that, you know, him having a female yeoman. It's like, oh, what's wrong, Kirk? Are you worried that you can't control yourself? Your strange masculine urges. But then, of course, he reminds himself that he already has a woman. The Enterprise. The Enterprise. And there's a conversation that makes more sense when it's the first, it's early in the series. Yeah, because obviously... Absolutely. I I agree with you. Yeah, definitely. Something I didn't know and which I'm only reading here on Memory Alpha, which is a great resource. 
The episode was held back for very practical reasons. The special effects took months to complete. This episode was originally scheduled to air much earlier in the run, but the large amount of visual effects took several months to complete. And I never knew that. I always knew that, well, in, re- in the last 20, 30 years, I've known that it was the first episode produced, but I never understood why it aired like two and a half months later. Now I can see why. And it was interesting, actually, um, they did that same shot of going down into the bridge yep. like they did in the pilot, which I thought was quite cool. For for years, I was very reluctant to sample these episodes with the new effects, but I've kind of, I've been watching them and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm accustomed to them now. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. They've actually, I mean, I'm looking at this, compar- they've changed very little, really, in terms of the look of the... Uh, Anytime you see the Enterprise flying in space, it's very different. Yeah. It looks just, it's different. It's smooth. It's CGI. It looks, I hate to say better because I'm very fond of the original effects, but it certainly looks different. Yeah, it definitely looks different. Although, interestingly, sometimes for the new effects, they've taken a different camera angle, um, but they're basically the same visuals, which is definitely the right choice. So there's an object approaching. And all hands on deck, etc., etc. So, oh no, it's now a sphere. So we've had a cube. Now we have a <laughs> sphere. And it's like we're, and of course they get caught in a tractor beam. And all I can think of is that's no moon. It's a space station. And of course I was watching this with my wife, and as it was zooming in, she was like, "It's coronavirus. It looks like a big <laughs> giant virus." It's like, what next? A cylinder? It's a mile in diameter. It's this huge, big thing. And uh, and I've watched the comparisons of the old and the new um, special effects because I was curious to see what they looked like originally. And obviously the new ones, you know, they make it look more technological. But like the, the first one, it looks, it does look like this kind of organism, which is quite interesting. Mm. But they still stay true to... Uh, uh, to what it was, um, which I thought is quite good. Cool. It's a really cool design. And there's something very Star. I mean, that's one of the core things I think of Star Trek for me too. It's that the Enterprise comes on, comes up in deep space against something peculiar, and you'll see that a lot. It may not be a shape, although there is an episode with a big cylinder, and it's probably my favorite episode of Star Trek. But that's yeah, a while away. Yeah, yeah. That's a while away. It's my favourite episode and it's a huge big cylinder in space, basically. That's funny. For anyone listening, they'll know, they'll know what I'm talking about. It's a season two episode with uh, William Wyndham and it's spiders. pretty much my favourite. But in general, the Enterprise comes up against something weird in space. That's that's the engine that starts quite a few Star Trek's yeah. and it's brilliant. It's like, what the heck is that thing? It's great. It's great. That's your start. Um, so, uh, so Kirk greets it and it's funny. I'm kind of like, so... Are, are, are we just going to, like, park the whole thing of can people speak English or not? Or what's going on here? <laughs> or are there universal translators? Or uh, who's to know? I mean, you know, because, like, if you think about the record that's on uh, the Voyager, it's there, there, there's a record with sounds of Earth. And it yes. has this, they've essentially mm-hmm. designed it so that it could theoretically be read by any anything uh, with a knowledge of physics, with a knowledge of mathematics. So uh, it's, uh, you know, but that's that's real life. This is science fiction. So they're like, hi, do you speak English? And they're like, funnily enough, I do. Um, <laughs> so Bailey picks up a signal. God damn it, Bailey. And it turns out it is Balok and mm. of the ship Vesarius of the First Federation. And I was like, ooh, 
First Federation, we've got world building. What's going on here? You are not peaceful, apparently. Um, the bridge is loaded with static and the ship is being held. And, of course, they have been given 10 minutes uh, to pray to your deities or whatever. Kirk then sends an announcement out to his crew, which I thought was great because he was like wonderful leadership. He was like, OK, folks, I know you guys all heard that we're going to die in 10 minutes, but still the biggest danger to us is ourselves. So everybody just calm the baps. <laughs> so Kirk opts to leave and Bailey, of course, is completely freaking out. I, I, I simply have in my notes, Jesus, Bailey! So Spock is sitting there going, well, I want to see what this guy looks like. So he gets him on the screen and it is this spooky alien face on the screen. And I'm like, that thing's a puppet. I love it. It's so funny. But I was very impressed because they clearly disguise the fact that it's a puppet with wavy lines. So I was Mm. like, "That's, that's a good idea because, you know, otherwise you would just think it was a a fake puppet, but obviously it's meant to be a real alien. So I was like, oh, that's that's fair. I mean, props for trying. Because, of course, Spock was curious to see. Bailey is panicking, and Kirk finally relieves him. He's like, just get out of here, Bailey. Just just go, just go. Um, I wonder if he's any relation to Wesley. I don't even know what Wesley's like, but all I know of Wesley is, shut up, Wesley, that's all I know. So they're still recording on tapes. Again, I'm I'm, I'm going to note every time they mention <laughs> tapes. But I'm super proud of myself. Spoilers for the end of the episode. Well, I'm not going to go all into it. But I'm asking myself at this point, could this be a test? And I'm asking myself, uh, is this big giant ship, is Balok testing them to see what they will do in this 10 minutes? It's like, why don't they just blow them up now? What? So... I, at this point, I'm, I'm I'm beginning to question, and I was so happy later on, but oh, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there. So, Jim is pacing, and uh, Spock is saying, look, in a game of chess, when one is outmatched, the game is over. And, and, and I find this really interesting, you know, Spock can't logic his way out of this, and I love that. And of course, Kirk and Bones are at each other's throats and he's pure snapping. And it's like, dude, calm down, calm down. And I was just thinking, I was like, can Bones' heart save the day? If Spock's brain can't do it, can Bones' heart? And of course, Kirk then realizes, not chess, Mr. Spock, poker. And I was like, ooh. So Kirk decides to bluff with carbamite, saying that Mm. carbamite... Every Earth ship has carbamite in it uh, that if it gets blown up, then whatever blew it up is going to blow up even more. And really interesting um, gambit. And uh, It's classic Kirk. That's Kirk. It's, in yeah, it's brilliant. Well, well, I mean, the thing is, it's like, what's the alternative? He's like, well, they're going to blow me up anyway, so I may as well see if I can blag my way out of it. And uh, And he's like, you know, death has little meaning to us. Just kill us now. And they hold off. Ooh. The countdown begins, 30 seconds. And of course, Bailey returns to his post. And I'm just like, oh, is Bailey going to like hit the phasers at, at the five second mark? But he doesn't, thankfully. And the countdown goes away. And you're like, did the bluff work? Mm. And Spock is like, I'm interested in this game you call poker. 
Uh, I'd love to see Spock playing poker. So Balak announces the destruction has been delayed, but he wants proof of the of the. I've I've been calling it carb car, carbamite. Was it car, carbamite? Carbamite, yeah. Car carbamite, car, yeah. Carbamite. They want they want proof of the carbamite, uh, which is smart, you know. So they they send off a small ship and they're going to tow tow. Uh, so this small ship is towing the Enterprise to a Federation planet where they can be imprisoned and the Enterprise can be destroyed. But in doing this, um. Kirk decides to overload this little ship's tractor beam, and so he, uh, so the, uh, I think the Enterprise starts like pulling, pulling against the tractor beam, and ultimately uh, the tractor beam of that little ship gets so overloaded that it conks out, and they they have the opportunity to sneak away, and so the Enterprise is pushing on the power, everything's rumbling, Spock's shaking, and I have to say this scene where everything was shaking was. Very suggestive. <laughs> really? <laughs> Particularly the way that... Okay, next time you watch the episode, look at the way that Spock is standing, where his hand is, and how he's shaking. And not only that, but he's like, it's going to blow very soon. Oh, That's, come on. <laughs> oh, I'm childish. And I'm going to put it in there. I'm childish as all hell. Next time you watch it, try and not unsee that. I need to go and I need to go and watch this yeah. clip of this episode. It's gonna it's blow soon. Recording. Um, so they manage to break away. Of course, Scotty needs a few hours to repair the engine because he always does. Um, meanwhile, Balok's ship, it turns out, is in distress, and Kirk chooses to save him. Nice move, yeah. Kirk. Nice move to seek out and contact alien life. So Kirk brings Bailey for some reason. He's like, Bailey, you need to see this. Of all people, you need to come and see this. Um, he denies Spock, though. He's like, if it's a trap, I want you here. I was like, oh, that's 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 bromance right there. It's like, no, I, I trust you above everyone else. So if I die, you are the, the person to take to take charge. So and that's actually this that's it is it's smart thinking from the point of view of the characters it's the sort of smart thinking they don't always display on Star Trek whenever there's a dangerous situation it's always like okay you yeah, you, let's you go. three of us we're the three most important people on the ship let's get over exactly. there and see what's wrong over there or let's just beam aboard this alien race or whatever Ping. um so uh, as so as they're setting up the beamy thing they detect that the the space on the alien ship is actually quite small so I'm beginning to think, oh my god, are the aliens tiny? This is brilliant. Are they like these tiny little... It's like the um, the Arcadians in Men in Black, where it's like just the, the tiny little uh, tiny little alien inside the human robot body thing. Turns out they're not as small as that, but they are small. Or he is, he is small. Not far wrong, yeah. And this is what I loved. So they get into the ship, and they find what they think is Balok, and it actually is a puppet. I was like, "It's so brilliant." Well done. Yeah. Well done. Because you're just watching it going, yeah. "Oh, it's such a crummy puppet," and it's like, "It is a puppet." That is so good. <laughs> and then, I mean, if you thought the weird puppet was weird, <laughs> then you've got Balak, who is this weird child figure with with a with a bald head and massive eyebrows and and an adult's voice so weird so it's probably yeah. the weirdest thing that i have seen yet in star trek 
And it's so good. Yep. And he's like, but first we need to have some Tranya. And they're like, okay. And he's like, oh, don't don't worry about the puppet. That was in your culture that he was my Mr. Hyde to my jackal. And I'm like, it was a test. It turns out it was a test. And I called it ages ago. And I was very proud of myself. Very proud of myself for outsmarting this TV show. <clears throat> um, so <laughs> as it turns out, Balok is simply looking for company and cultural exchange, which I thought was really sweet. And then Bailey is like, Do you know what? I can volunteer to stay. And he's like, but I might make mistakes. And Kirk is like, you'll learn more. Balak will learn more about the humans from the mistakes we make. And I was like, oh, that's so wise. That's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's brilliant, though. It's just brilliant. And man. yeah, this is absolutely, without a, without a doubt, my favorite episode so far. I loved it. I, I cool. loved... It's a good episode. I yeah. loved just the... Just the twists and turns that it went with. I love... I mean, I think it's classic Star Trek of one ship up against another ship. Because I think this is the first time where it has been a standoff in space like that. Yeah. From what I've seen, you know, from what I've watched Mm -hmm. so far. And I know that's a classic thing of one ship and another ship is like, no, you, no, you stand down. No, you stand down. No, you stand down. Well, we can fire proton torpedoes. Well, we can block your proton torpedoes. Well, you know, all all that kind of stuff. I really liked this. I really uh, loved it. Um, and just the twists and turns as it went to the end. And not only that, but just, you know, little Balok takes them by the hand and says, here, I'll show you around my ship. I'm like, this dude's awesome. I want a Balok. And that's uh, Clint Howard playing Balok. And of course, his brother is Ron Howard, the director. On the way. Yeah. And uh, Clint Howard is an incredibly, I love him. He's a very busy character actor. I mean, his list of credits is incredible. Uh, 250 credits on IMDb and there's like he has five projects in post-production at the moment um, wow. he's only 61 so he's very busy His my favourite role of, of all his roles he was in a very good episode of Seinfeld um, he's fantastic but yeah. from a Star Trek point of view he has a distinction he has played four characters no way I know him yeah well, obviously, I, 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 I don't know him in real life, but yeah, he's, he's in. Oh my uh, God. He's in. Yeah, he's in Star Wars. Oh, that's so yeah. funny. Well, in Star Trek, he he's played four different characters on four different Star Trek series, including Discovery, Enterprise, DS Nine, and it all starts with this episode here. Oh, he that's child. so funny. And he was in uh, what do you call it? Um, I <laughs> the, the solo. I, I think he was in solo. Is he? Uh, possibly I mean the the thing yeah. that, that I'm um, uh, the thing that he's really calling to mind is Austin Powers where he's the, the guy on the radio where he's like um, sir we're, radar we're, operations yeah yeah, yeah. Right, the radar Peters. operator yeah, yeah. Um, but that's funny um, oh that's bizarre because I, 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 I mean obviously he's, he's so um, different in how he looks there but ah, uh, oh, that's funny and was he yeah, he's a busy, busy actor. Every year, he seems to have like five different projects. You know, he's a busy character actor. He's just consistently busy. And I, as far as I'm concerned, he always delivers. I, I really like what he plays in, in anything. Um, oh, no way. And he, Seinfeld. he did a he's whole really pile um Disney voices. He did the voice for Rue in Winnie the Pooh. He did Hathi Jr. Was, oh, is that the elephant in... In Jungle Book. He's in Jungle Book, yes. Uh, the Elephant Song, so it must be. 
I've never seen yeah. it, so I don't know. But yeah, but yeah, yeah, you've never seen you've never seen Jungle Book. Never, never will wow. I. They're not a big fan of Disney movies or Fair animated enough. movies. Um, they don't work. Fair enough. Uh, Jungle Book yeah. was the very first film I saw in the cinema. Ah, okay. It was a re- they they re released it in the early nineties, and I remember that was that was the first film. But that's that's funny. That's funny that uh, that's him. I didn't even recognize him. In fairness, it would probably be bad if I did recognise him from, from that. <laughs> he had done a lot of stuff even before Star Trek. I mean, I mean, he was by the time he did Star Trek, he had already been a series regular on different... He was actually yeah. in a show called The Baileys of Balboa yeah. for a season. Um, but he had been a series regular. I mean, the guy was acting for when he was like, yeah. nothing really. Well, sure, so was Ron. Like, what was it? Was it yeah. Opie or something? Yeah. Was the... Yeah. 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 Never got... And funnily enough, I, I know Opie from... Um, more so from Arrested Development than I do from from the original. <laughs> but yeah, so there you go. And of course, of course, he was in Solo if Ron Howard directed it. And yeah. oh, oh wait, it's making so much more sense now because he was in Apollo thirteen as well. Ron Howard directed that as well. Ah, okay. Okay. Anyway, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, um, the next episode then was. Episode 12, The Menagerie, Part 1. Oh, ah. now this goes back. You asked me some questions about this when we asked. Yes, I did. I did ask. and and So now, so you had no idea what The Menagerie was yeah. and you pressed play. I you just didn't have a clue. Hadn't a clue what The Menagerie was. Wow, so that that's cool. so cool. So watching, uh, watching The Menagerie. First of all, gorgeous cityscape that they have down uh, down on that planet where they go to was um, Starbase Two or whatever. It's beautiful. Um, I thought it was really well designed. So Kirk and the lads are beam. Uh, they beam down to Starbase Two to meet Commodore Mendes. Um, they have received a transmission from Pike. I was like, oh, Pike. I know Pike. I've seen Pike. 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 He was in the first episode and never seen again. So <laughs> Spock had served with him for 11 years and me having seen the pilot, which no one else had seen at this point in time when this was first aired. I was like, I know this. I've seen yes. him under the command of Pike, which was cool. So it turns out that Pike was injured rescuing a whole bunch of cadets and he was super injured. Oh my God. I felt so bad for him. Super, do you know what he? He reminded me of, as soon as he turned around, I was like, "Oh my god, it's Davros from Doctor Who." <laughs> it's, it's that same, yep, that it. same kind of design. Um, I was like, "Whoa!" And uh, he communicates through a series of beeps and boops. Um, well, well, just just beeps. What was it? One, one for yes, two for no. And uh, he's like, uh, "What's his name?" Oh, what do you call the guy from uh, Breaking Bad with the bell? Oh, yeah, I know who you mean. Hector. He's, yes. He's, he's like Hector, Hector Salamanca. Salamanca. Yeah. Um, you know, ding! The most haunting ding ever. So Spock uh, remains with uh, Pike. He, everybody else leaves, but Spock um, stays. And Spock is doing something. Spock is planning something and he's talking about treachery and mutiny. And I'm like, Spock, what are you doing? Spock? Spock, what are you doing? And then it cuts to the opening sequence. It's like, wait a minute, this 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 is really interesting. So again, 
that cityscape at nighttime is beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. But then as it turns out, as they begin to investigate where that message came from, Kirk discovers that there's no actual record of the message on the Enterprise. So Spock lied. Of course, they don't realize this yet, but I'm sitting there going, Spock lied? Because Spock received the message. But maybe Spock lied about receiving the message. <gasps> oh, what's going on here? So um, I love all the analog computer panels in this show. It, it it reminds me of the times when I used to go into Unify with my dad, this big old textile polyester filament yarn plant, and they had all sorts of wonderful analog panels. So Spock goes into this little communications room and he knocks someone out. He's pretty badass, isn't he? If I'm, I'm looking at my own notes... He just kind of boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, like you do not mess with Spock. Like, like, like a guy comes in and then just starts punching Spock in the face and Spock's like just taking it. And then he just Vulcan death grips him. And he's like, dude. Meanwhile, you know, Kirk is like just chilling with Mendes and uh, in comes Piper. And Kirk has just pure dopey eyes with Piper. And I don't think that character is really brought up much again after that. I was like, so did you just bring in another attractive lady to for Kirk to ogle for five seconds and then is never seen again? But it turns out Spock is tinkering with something. He sends a message with orders to the Enterprise and Spock has fake recordings of Kirk. I was like, Spock, what are you doing? It's great, isn't it? A mystery. I mean, it's brilliant. It's so it? good because, like you know, you you along with all of the other characters have put in so have put so much trust in Spock, and all of a sudden Spock is going behind not just their back; he's going behind your back. Of of all the medical advances that they have made so far, they still can't tap into the brain, as Mendes was explaining, and so it seems that Pike is just trapped in his own mind. Uh, like the veteran from the Metallica song, One, which is fantastic. Pike keeps blinking no for some reason. Kirk is suspicious of Spock. He's beginning to get suspicious of Spock for some reason. But uh, Vulcans are incapable of telling a lie, apparently, but he's only half Vulcan. Bones super trusts Spock, which is really interesting. At this point, Mm -hmm. Bones is letting his heart blind him a little bit, which is interesting. Bones is needed aboard. Is this Spock? Has Spock called Bones away? Who's to know? So this is the first time at least I have noted Starfleet Command, which is cool. From from what I can make out anyway, this is the first time I've heard Starfleet Command name dropped, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And there is talk of Talos 4, which the name didn't ring a bell at this stage of the game, but I was like, Talos 4, okay. Other, other than that's the name of the scroll from um, Captain Marvel, Talos. But they're not allowed to go there. But then I start asking, is it, wait a minute, is this the cage? Is this referring to the cage? Is, are we going to... So, oh. And then it turns out Pike is gone. Pike is has been beamed aboard the Enterprise. Spock has stolen the Enterprise. What's going on? Bones smells something fishy, but Spock and Spock has, as it turns out, has taken Pike onto the Enterprise and is hightailing it towards Talos 4. And I'm like, oh my god, Spock, what are you doing? There's a Starfleet shuttle following, and it turns out that it's Kirk and Mendes in hot pursuit. 
and Spock checks because, you know, he doesn't want them dying out in space. He's like, how much fuel do they have left? Are they able to get home? And they're like, nope, they're past the point of no return. He's like, damn it, I'm going to have to call them aboard. So he programs the computer to go to Talos 4 and to not listen to anybody else. Spock ignores Bones. Once once he has all the computers sorted out, he hands himself in very casually to Bones going, yep, you can arrest me now. And he's like, what? Mutiny. I have been mutinying this whole time. So, wow. Spock, what have you done? What have you done? What is going on? What is going on? So I was really interested as well that Mendes has a his Starbase uniform and his logo is different to Kirk's. And I thought that was cool. It's, it's like this little kind of flower thing as opposed to the, the Starfleet logo. Um, at least that's what I picked up on. Yep. So the computer is running the ship and ignoring Kirk's command of Kirk, of, of Kirk. Of course, Kirk loves this. Um, <laughs> Kirk always loves it when he's not in command of his own ship. And so then we have Spock's hearing and he requests a court martial. And Kirk is like, but no, we, we don't have enough Star Command to actually do this. And he's like, uh, actually, you've got Kirk Mendes and Pike. And they were like, oh, yeah, we, 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 we didn't have the heart to formally actually take him off the roster of, of commanders. So he's right. So they have a court martial and, ooh, they have their fancy uniforms now. These, this is their ceremonial uniforms, which uh, I thought was cool. Mendes asks why Spock did this. And because he asked why Spock did this, Spock is like, I can tell you exactly why and I'm going to do it with this kind video presentation. (laughs) And um, so he shows a recording of the pilot and they're like, they're like, what did we just watch? And like, you just watched the pilot of Star Trek, folks. And I was like, this is so good that they're able to use the pilot because, you know, I was asking this, does Pike ever come back? You know, what... And it's great that they were able... Because they did pour so much money into that pilot. And I was wondering... you know, Because yeah. I had, I had kind of guessed before where, you know, you had mentioned that there was something reused from, from the cage. So I was like, are they going to re-edit it? Are they going to completely re-edit it with Kirk in it? But no, they... It is canon. It is properly canon. So I thought that was really nice. It was a nice... Yep, yep. Tip of the hat to the the pilot. And so I was like, ah, so they're going to split this episode and conclude the story in part two. That is smart. So then, of course, they're talking as well about, um, uh, at one point they make reference, I think this was in the cage, they make reference to the Orion colony. And I'm like, the Orion colony? You have a colony in Orion? It's like the constellation. Like, you do realize that those stars are like millions of light years away from each other it's you know it only looks like one constellation to us i mean i i I find this michael to be a bit amateurish to be quite honest i was not impressed but it's fine it's fine it's fine um so they're also questioning how he recorded Uh, the court martial are there kirk and mendes are questioning how did you even record this what are we watching it's like, has someone made a television show based on our intrepid adventures across space, our intrepid trek across <laughs> the stars? Ah, it's like, well, have, have, have you never heard of security cameras? Are, are there no security recordings aboard, <laughs> aboard the Enterprise? But no, as it turns out, well, Pike wants to continue the court martial. He's like, no, keep going, keep going. 
and it's a clip episode. <laughs> That's what it is. Hey, let's yes. watch let's yes. watch some more clips. And something that I that I noticed in the episode where they go down to Telos was was Spock limping on that planet? It's really weird. Go back and watch it. Spock is very much limping on that planet. It's really weird. Really? Yeah. But uh, what I think, this is what I'm guessing, I think Spock wants to bring Pike back to Telos 4 and live in the fantasy mind to basically go, look, you're having a terrible life right now, trapped in your own mind. Why don't we bring you back to the brainy guys who can let you live whatever fantasy you want? But of course, I only know that because I have watched The Cage before. If I had not seen The Cage before, I would not know this. And I and the mystery would be a lot more sinister. And I'd be like, ah. So I see what he's doing, or at least I, I, I surmise. Yeah. I think I know what he's doing. The thing is, of course, yeah, for the audience that would have seen this mm. in 1966, they had never seen any of this footage so they did not have a clue what that mm. planet was or what was on the planet or why Spock was doing this. So it's a, there's a heck of a lot of mystery in this episode. It's, yeah. Considering that it's an episode that came about, and again, I'm looking at the compendium here again, it's exactly as we said, this was very expensive pilot. There's got to be a way to reuse the footage. Yeah. Roddenberry came up with the idea of the frame, and so they were able to spread that expense over two new episodes. Exactly. Which is brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. it's so smart. Yeah. And it's funny watching dudes in Star Trek watching an episode of Star Trek. (laughs) It's hilariously meta. So because of all of this hullabaloo, uh, word has come in from Starfleet that Kirk is relieved of command. (sighs) He liked that. Yeah. Mendes orders them to turn around. Spock declines... Because Spock is so wonderfully sassy like that. And Kirk, you can see that Kirk kind of trusts Spock in some way. He's like, I know you're doing something, but I don't know what you're doing. And he's like, you know, he asks him, he's like, do you know what you're doing? And, and Spock is just like, eh. it'll, it'll, it'll make sense. And uh, ultimately, well, Kirk orders Spock to be locked up. And the episode ends with a big... <laughs> To be concluded. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> Ooh. Now, I mean, of course, I have already seen the cage, so I have a sneaking suspicion I know where it's going, but still, this would have been a major cliffhanger if I had not seen it. Huge, huge, huge. That's actually... The Menagerie is my... I'm watching the show at the moment at a slower pace than you, so yes. in, in production order, my next episode is The Menagerie Part 1 and Menagerie Part 2, and I'm actually thinking even though i i prefer production order i'm actually thinking of skipping it just because it's i've seen the yes. cage a few times and i saw it a couple of years ago and i'm thinking i might hold the menagerie which i do love both parts i might just hold it back to maybe christmas or christmas next year so that i'm a little less familiar with those clips from yes. the cage But it is where I am now, and that's episode 16. And it's interesting, when you watch them in production order, you go from literally episode 1, or we'll say episode 3 in production order, to episode 16 in production order. So you get to see a four-month spread with those two episodes that you watched. Yeah, ah, right enough. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. And you can see how Spock as a character, like, he's zipping around, as you say, nerve-pinching people. You know, he's, he's... He's really strong as a character after four months yeah. of production, you know? Oh, big time. But yeah, and you need that time with the crew for you to 
really like Spock and for you to really, you know, trust Spock, you know, so that when he betrays everyone, you're like, you've betrayed me, Spock. What are you doing? Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. But again, I mean, I suppose the tension is somewhat lifted because I've already watched The Cage. Yeah, no, I I can really appreciate it for what it is. And I would imagine that this cliffhanger would be serious. And and of course, I mean, you know, I wasn't I wasn't gonna re rediscuss all of the stuff from the content from the cage. Yeah, well. you know, it's all, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's nothing because what's good as well is they don't like they leave it intact. They keep it. They keep yeah, the original pilot it's, it's, canon. It's they don't chop and intact. change. Yeah, they yeah. don't chop and change it so that it. They don't use scenes. Now this would bug me if they took scenes and reinterpreted them in a different way so you'd have a you know that would bug mm. me because i've seen that done there's a cop show in the 70s for example uh harry o and the original pilot movie for harry o has a lengthy and very very good motorcycle chase um when the show went into production the they they, they were delayed in production they had a second pilot a couple a year or two years later they decided to reuse the motorcycle chase and they brought some of the guests, to make it make context, they brought some of the guest actors from the pilot back, but they framed a new story. Yeah. So it's a bit of a head wreck if you're a, if you're a big continuity geek. Because yes. you have you have the same 15-minute bike <laughs> chase involving the same actors yeah. who are playing completely different ah, characters. Yeah, that is, that is a bit of a mind, mind meld. That's the sort of stuff keeps me up at night. Yeah. yeah, but no, Star Trek. Star Trek played it straight. They reused the cage and left everything intact, basically. I mean, I'm not saying they didn't use all the footage. They they left some out, but they didn't change the context yes. of what was happening to Captain Pike. And um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how you like. It'd be interesting to see if you're right in your guess exactly as to exactly. what it's all about. Nice I save, wonder. Nice save there, mm. Michael. You nearly spoiled me. I wonder. Ah. I wonder. I wonder. Who's to know? But Pike, of course, as I said to you, is back. Anson Mount had played Pike in Discovery season two. I told you this before. The fan reaction to no, you didn't. You didn't tell me that he was in Discovery. I didn't know that. Oh well, you know. Well, he's back, and since in the last couple of weeks, the rumors are leaking out, and it seems like it's just confirmed now that the Pike series is going to be called Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. Mm. It's still at rumor stage. Um, but they've they've done a fantastic job with Pike. I'm watching the short treks at the moment. These are 15 minute episodes of Star Trek that are newly produced oh. between seasons, and I have three of them watched. And Pike was in all three of the ones that I watched, and uh, I just love Anson Mount. I love what they've done with Pike, and uh, I can't wait for the Pike series. I just can't wait. I can't wait. Excellent. Can't wait. Here's a question for you: Are the is the animated series shorter? Are they 20 minute, half hour episodes? They're half hour episodes, yeah. So they're TV half hours, meaning they're all about 24, 25 yeah, minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Cool. Yeah. No, I'm, yeah. no I'm, 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 I'm definitely going to watch those whenever uh, whenever we f- get around to it. Get around there. Isn't it? We'll get there. Um, they're very good. As far as I'm concerned and most fans are concerned, it's just like a fourth season of the show. It's got, you know yourself, it's got, Pretty much the entire cast came back, yeah. which was unheard of. That's really Back in the cool. 1970s, lots of TV shows like I Dream of Genie, various TV shows. You know, there was a Mark and Mindy animated show. There was a Happy Days animated Mark show. Mark Hamill worked on the I Dream of Genie cartoon. I did not know there that. There you go. I know. he, uh, But it's very rare for the TV cast of a live action show to come back for the animated show. Yeah. 
But in Star Trek, they all came back. And more important than that, from a, from a fan's point of view, I think the writers, yes. the same writers yes. were involved. That's what matters. Yeah. So you get some really good episodes in the animated show, in my opinion. Yeah, oh, that's cool. So I, I assume then the animation style is very much kind of Hanna-Barbera, that kind of... Very basic, yeah. very rudimentary. Scooby-Doo-ish. Early 19th... Yeah, it's yeah. 1970s. It's minimal movement. Yeah. You know, it's where there, there's nothing moving except maybe the mouth oh, for yes, a lot of yes, scenes. Yes. Those kind of things. It's just, it's minimal animation. The cheapest of the cheap. Oh, d- hey, you're, 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 you're talking to the person who produces Manny Man. I know, you how, know, you I know how to produce really, uh, really simple, barely moving animation. I, I, I know all about but, it. <laughs> As a fan, I mean, as a fan of Star Trek, I remember watching those episodes the most recent time I watched them. Yeah. Uh, once the story is good, yeah. it doesn't matter to exactly. me. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. Like, I've I've actually been watching um, the... Um, I'm on season four, I think, now at the moment, of uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, like it's it's all animated, but oh, it's fantastic. It's really good. Yeah. Actually, there was a brilliant series which came out between episode two and three, which was also called Clone Wars, but is now no longer canon. Um, but it was um, animated by uh, Gendy Tartakovsky. Samurai Jack. Samurai Jack. So that Clone Wars series was essentially Samurai Jack, but Star Wars. And it was oh. so cool. And it bridged the gap. It bridged the story between episode two and three and told some stories of the Clone Wars. But now what this new series is doing, it's CGI, but it is bridging that gap as well, but through seven seasons. And it started off very kind of childish and very you know much aimed at children. But as the show has gone on, they, I think they, they realized that it was more kind of adult Star Wars fans who were watching it and so began mm. to write it more towards that. So the the storylines are much more kind of political, much more... Um, it's, it's, it's good. It's really good. And I'm loving where it's going. That actually mirrors the response. Um, it, it reminds me immediately of 2000 AD and yeah. Judge Dredd. When that started in the late 70s, it was obviously very much a kid's comic and it was aimed at, I suppose... The typical reader was probably like a nine-year-old boy was who they were aiming at. But over through the 1980s, they could see that the letters that were getting, they were getting, were coming in from older and older and older readers. Yeah. And they began, they realized by the mid-80s that, you know, we got late teenagers here. We got people who who get Margaret Thatcher, who get politics. And the writers leaned in that direction with Judge Dredd. So by the mid-80s, it was actually a very political strip and the the audience just kept lapping it up nice nice well for now i suppose in a similar way to the menagerie part one to be concluded continued yes or concluded is that what actually says on screen it it says to be concluded concluded. yeah okay okay because i'm pretty sure it says to be concluded at the end of uh, back to the future 2 as well oh okay as opposed to to be continued i may be wrong about that Kieran Kelly, what, what do you tell us? <laughs> <laughs> that's another movie. That's exactly the same as Return of the Jedi because I know I shocked you in a previous episode when I said uh-huh. it, but I'll say it again. I saw Back to the Future 2 and 3 once each and that was yeah. in the cinema. That was oh. it. I've never seen them since. Never I was born the year Back to the Future 2 came out. <laughs> really? Yeah, 89. Um, 
In nine, yeah, they came out six months apart, didn't they? If yeah, they were shot back to back. So the mm. so the Back to the Future two actually had a mini trailer at the end of Back to the Future. Oh, sorry, but uh, Back to the Future two had a mini trailer at the end for, for three. Back to the Future three. Yeah, which yeah, I remember because, seeing them and loving them. Yeah, they were great. Yeah, yeah. I like three. Three is very much the kind of the unloved third third wheel of that trilogy, but it it's a great film. It's it's just. It's a western. It's very different to the first two, I think. Uh, but uh, oh, I, I love those films. But anyway, speaking yes. of all of time travel and science fiction and all of that, Star Trek will be concluded. Yeah, and we're we're going to finish Star Trek in the next episode. I joke, I joke. Not actually, just the menagerie. <laughs> um, just the menagerie. But this this is an ongoing mission, or it's not ongoing. It's a continuing mission, whatever it is. Five-year mission. Whatever it is. You know what it is. I don't know what it is. I haven't watched people it before. Know. People know. People, people know. know what we're talking about. But uh, for now, people, folks, go and check Michael Letty out over at Riker Donegal on Twitter, Instagram. Twitter, Instagram, um, anything really. I think I even use that on Facebook, but there's probably nothing there of great interest. Yeah, Riker Donegal is where you'll find me on Twitter, should you wish to do so. Excellent. And on that note, folks, as they say in the grand old world of Star Trek, live long and carry on. Thanks again for listening, folks. If you know anybody who might enjoy listening to me regaling the tales of the stars of the Treks, please pass this podcast on to them. It might be a little something fun to put on while they're driving from A to B or while they're out walking or while they're... Doing something, I don't know. I I like to listen to podcasts when I draw, when I'm doing my illustrations. I listen to loads of podcasts. Um, So, yeah, pass it on. Also, let me know on Twitter what you think of the podcast so far. Uh, I'm really, really curious to hear more and more feedback. You can do so towards me at John D. Ruddy and and indeed Mr. Michael Letty at Riker Donegal. And you can use the hashtag where many have gone before. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and now Twitch. If you wish to support this podcast, you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash John D. Ruddy. This podcast was created by John D. Ruddy with special guest Michael Letty. This was produced and edited by John D. Ruddy. And the theme song is by John D. Ruddy. These are the weather forecasts from Malinhead. I joke, I joke, I'm not doing that. But for now, I will leave you to it. And as they say in the wonderful world of Star Trek, live long and black lives matter.